Hi friend, it's 2020. If you're anything like me, this year has been hard. Have you had days that feel confusing, disappointing, or just totally overwhelming? Especially in times like these, and really no matter what life stage you're currently in, do you find yourself looking for something real? Do you ever stay up late at night wondering if there's more to this world than the chaos in your social media feed? Maybe like me, you wonder about things like restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. And truth, I am on an imperfect journey of pursuing Jesus Christ and what it looks like to find those things in a relationship with Him. It's a journey I committed to years ago when I dedicated my life to following Christ, and it's a journey I invite friends to explore with me, even if, and honestly, especially if you're just not so sure about Jesus. So for those who are wandering, wondering, skeptical, or just need some encouragement, we all need encouragement these days, don't we? This podcast is for you. Please come along with me as we journey together towards finding something real. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood, and friend, I am very thankful that you're listening today. Today's a special episode because I get to sit down with a couple of other podcasters, and this is kind of exciting. Today's guests are podcast co-hosts of a great podcast called Apologetic Simplified. It's a podcast for regular people with real questions about the Christian faith. I love that, and so I'm happy to welcome... Leah Chapman and Andrew Foster. You guys, welcome. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us on. I'm excited for this conversation because I tell people all the time I'm not an expert in all these different things. I just love Jesus. Yeah. (laughs) And I love talking to experts (laughs) and people who like to talk about this stuff because especially right now um, in our world, I think a lot of people have a lot of questions about faith. And I know even as a Christian, I have questions. And so Mm -hmm. it's just a, um, a joy to be able to have honest conversations around the things that we sometimes struggle with or that become obstacles. Um, so I didn't share very much in the intro just now, but tell me a little bit more about you guys. How did you get started with apologetics? And, and I'll ask you specifically about the podcast in a minute. Yeah, sure. I can go first. Um, so I first started getting into apologetics, really, I started getting into apologetics before I even knew what apologetics was when I was a kid and my dad and I would go out and look at the stars. And I, even as a little child, I was looking up at how beautiful and amazing it was. And he was showing me, um, what these different stars and planets were and telling me just a little bit about how they move around. I'm like, Oh goodness, there's gotta be there's got to be a God. And then that's continued to grow. And that's not to say that faith has always come easy for me. um, But I've, for me, nature has always been a big apologetic for me. And then I got into Mm -hmm. high school and Andrew and I both went to a Christian school, which was a blessing. And we had a really fabulous apologetics teacher named Dr. Carl Barrington. And he was, uh, he taught an apologetics class and he was really instrumental in helping me think through my faith through the books I got to read and just the conversations I got to have with him and then got a math degree in college which to me was a uh, a way to study apologetics in an indirect way is seeing the design that God has in nature and 
in mathematics and then now I'm in well no I just finished seminary and I have a master of theology and apologetics so studied that there as well so that's a brief overview of my journey with apologetics that's awesome how about you Andrew um yeah for me so much of it starts the same where it's really through God revealing himself in nature I remember at the uh house where we grew up the neighborhood there weren't a whole lot of street lights so we get great view of the stars sometimes we just like lay a blanket on our driveway and look up and it was really just incredible and so much of it um uh, yeah started with uh the stars and then I remember a key moment for me in my faith journey I was uh on a camp and the group I was with we did a little hike and we just started singing uh, some worship songs at this mountaintop place with a great view of, I think it was the Smoky Mountains. And just remember looking at uh, the thought that ran through my mind was, how could someone see this and not see God? Mm-hmm. And then I guess, uh, you know, I did not study math in college. I studied music. <laughs> I don't have, uh, I'm not, don't have a master's of theology and apologetics, but um, even in the academic realm, uh, that perspective affected how I viewed music. I even went to, um, when I wrote my senior honors thesis at Liberty University, um, the topic I did was music is evidence for a creator. I feel like so much of that has affected the way I look at what's around me and being able to see God in these things. Um, it's a really so- good paper. He he was, the first time Andrew was ever on the podcast was before he was a co-host. We talked about his paper. It's so good. Is it available for people to read online? Yes, it is. Um, I can find that link and send it to you. Yeah, I'd love to put that in the show notes. And for anyone listening who is curious about your ministry, before we just dive right in, would you mind telling them how they can find you? Yeah, you can find the podcast called Apologetic Simplified. It should be available on any podcast app. Uh, if it's not, let me know. Uh, and you can always <laughs> contact us at apologeticsimplified at gmail.com. Uh, but it's now part of my ministry, which I'm calling Colloquial Theology or Leah Chapman Ministries. I may end up just settling with my name to be simple. But um, yeah, I'm trying to do, um, in addition to the podcast, doing some more um, theology work. Wow. Okay. So for somebody listening right now who... the I know I've talked about this on the podcast before with people, but it's been a little while. Um, For someone who's not familiar with the term apologetics, what does it mean? So it comes from a Greek word, apologia. I think I'm pronouncing that right. (laughs) Um, And it means defense as in like a court case. So when in 1 Peter, he says to always have a reason for the hope that is within you that reason is the word apologia and so it's giving a reason for why you believe really anything but christian apologetics is why you believe that jesus really is the messiah why you're a christian and so i think of it now as the um asking and answering tough questions is how i put Mm -hmm. it simply but that's a bit of the history of the term yeah and did you guys um it sounds like you did but did you grow up in a christian home was that just something that you were taught from an early age um yeah absolutely um the way i like to put it is um we weren't just raised in a christian home in the sense that we went to church on sundays it really was a christian home uh, every evening our family we would uh, pray together uh, sunday evenings we'd have a family worship time mm-hmm. um 
it was so much I, I thank our parents so much for not just raising us to go to church but to really be christians and to really engage yeah mm-hmm. so there's a lot of people who grew up christian and they don't come to the point where they um they necessarily feel like they want to defend their faith or um, where they want to explore hard questions. In fact, it seems like a, a lot of the people that I've talked to, at least, those hard questions usually come in a time of crisis or, um, you know, when when life dramatically shifts. So I'm just wondering what exactly about uh, two young people who grew up in a Christian home who had a very loving, uh, it sounds like a very loving, safe, uh, you know, Christian environment, what made you go, I want to explore the tough questions and I want to talk to people about the, the perhaps the answers? I started having questions just in my own mind in high school, which again, we went to that uh, private Christian high school, which was awesome. And so I had the opportunity to really explore them. But it's just the kind of questions like, is Christianity really the only way to God, if there even is a God? And just some of those questions that started turning in my own mind so a lot of the apologetics I've done is just things that have popped up in my mind. And it's like, okay, well, if I'm going to believe this, I need to know these answers or I need to have a really good reason to take that leap of faith um, for those things that aren't that, where there aren't clear answers. Um, and so I just started diving into that and it's like, okay, well, if me being a Christian, if I have these questions and I have a relationship with Jesus, then there's got to be other people who have questions and their questions really do matter. Um, even if they don't know Jesus. And I, I think we need to be engaging with those instead of just like, oh, we'll just believe the Bible um, mm. and really engage people rather than kind of be dismissive. Yeah. I think with me, um, I've always been uh, pretty content to, you know, just believe the Bible. But I think when I started really getting exposed to apologetic and seeing some of these arguments and seeing how it uh how it really makes sense. It kind of just took me kind of to the next level and understanding. So not just, I guess, not just a shallow belief, but my understanding was expanded. I could see, yeah, this really is supported. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I, yeah, it's hard. You know, I've talked to quite a few friends who, you know, they start to have questions and then they feel like they don't, uh, they don't know where to go with those questions. A lot of times they hide them or they, um, they stuff them inside. And then, um, sadly, a lot of times they're looking elsewhere for answers. Um, Mm -hmm. that's my personal opinion. (laughs) You know, I know there's people who listen to this who have different worldviews, but, um, I, I personally, and I know you guys believe this too, that there's nothing, I believe there's nothing better than Christ. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, when people start to look elsewhere, especially people who were raised to, uh, to believe, um, it, it, it makes me sad, but I also understand it because I think traditionally the church hasn't always done a great job of wrestling with questions and allowing yeah. people the discomfort of challenging their faith. Do you guys agree with that? And have you found that in your own, in your own personal journeys? I mean, yeah, I've, I've seen that. I see that a lot with the just believe I even was talking to a kid, uh, a pastor's kid. And he was struggling with something and he talked to his dad and he was like, well, I, we just need to have faith. And like, we just need to believe the Bible. And those were something where you could definitely go and find 
evidence for it. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think that's definitely true. Um, so. so tell me a little bit more about your podcast. How did it start? And um, what is it like? Uh, and how did you end up working together? Because, you know, brothers and sisters don't always end up uh, working together. <laughs> well, you know, that's one of the weird things about us is we've always genuinely liked each other. I, yeah. I can think of a handful of times where we didn't get along as kids. Um, but the fact that I can only think of a handful of times really tells you how well we got along. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. um, so I started this podcast in late 2018. I was in a preaching class. It was me and 11 men and a male teacher. And I was so nervous cause I had never preached. Um, that's not true. I had done a little bit of preaching, but not a whole lot and not where a lot was expected of me. And so I was very nervous to go into this class. But as I started writing sermons and started preaching, I actually discovered that I really liked doing it. And I was nervous about my first sermon. I recorded it and sent it to my best friend. And she says, wow, Leah, this is really good. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast? Like, I don't even listen to podcasts, but <laughs> um, maybe. And so I started listening to podcasts, trying to get a feel for what they are and started thinking about it. I'm like, this is actually a really good idea. So I started um, Apologetic Simplified in late 2018, really got rolling in 2019. Um, and it went from 20 minute episodes every other week. Now Andrew and I are struggling to keep them under an hour every week. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. at the end of 2019, I was wanting to shake it up a little bit. I was happy with what I was doing. I felt like God was in it, but I just felt like there was something missing. And I think, um, and Janelle, I don't know if, you always have guests or if you, it's just you sometimes, but to me, when it was just me, just talking to a microphone, it got really boring. Like it didn't matter mm -hmm. if the topic was exciting. I was bored. And <laughs> I was like, I need a co-host. I need, I need somebody to interact with. And so I just started thinking through it. And then my mind just kept coming back to Andrew mm -hmm. and Andrew. I don't think I've even asked you this. Um, obviously I asked you to be the co-host and then there was like a long period of silence where I was like, I wonder what he's thinking. So I don't know what made you want to jump in. You probably fill us in on that. Yeah. So um, I guess it was last summer when I was a guest on your show talking about the, uh, the thesis. And, you know, that was a lot of fun. But I was not expecting that uh, message back when you sent it. Like, hey, Andrew, what do you think about being co-host? I don't really know what all was going through my mind because I'd... Um, I was still pretty new at my uh, job at the church and also the job at yeah. Chick-fil-A. You know, it kind of seemed like a lot was going on. Like, do I really know everything I need to? You know, I was worried that, you know, you're really, you're the one with the masters of theology. Like what would my mm. role be? But then, you know, I did, did some praying about it, uh, talked talk about it a little bit. I'm like, you know what? Yeah, I think I want to do this. So, And then really so much of it uh, just, fell into place like i'm thinking largely you know equipment wise there was some stuff like from the church that i was able to use that was able to let us get this rolling from the um you know co-hosting a podcast from two different states and things like that mm, that's yeah so cool i love that you guys love each other and it shows <laughs> we do too. <laughs> I, I have a younger brother and uh we were very close when we were little and I still love him dearly, but you know, it changes when you get older. And so it's really special that you guys have been able to share a passion for Christ and also uh, for family. It's really cool. Um, something, Andrew, that you kind of touched on was your own insecurity about maybe co-hosting a podcast where your mm -hmm. sister has uh, an advanced degree and she, you know, knows what she's talking about, right? And I think um, 
that touches on an insecurity that a lot of people feel. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just reading an article, actually, I think it was this morning, um, that a lot of millennials and younger generations, they're feeling like, you know, evangelism, uh, it's really important to uh, share your faith or um, really important to, um, you know, it, it'd be great if people came to Christ, but it was almost... But, oh, I wish I'm going to have to link this now that I'm talking about it. But it was almost like 50% of them said um, we shouldn't tell other people about our faith, that it's not, uh, you know, necessarily loving to share faith with others. And I'm wondering uh, if you've encountered that, first of all. And second of all, if you think that part of the reason why people don't share their faith is an insecurity, feeling like, well, maybe I'm going to do it wrong or uh, offend somebody. Yeah, I think there, yeah, there absolutely is an insecurity there. And I mean, just thinking about it and sometimes seem, seem awkward, like, how do I get into this conversation? Um, I know I was really blessed at uh, Liberty, one of the classes I took that's required for all degrees there is an evangelism class with uh, <laughs> Dr. Uh, David Wheeler, who we actually had as a guest on our show once. It was a great interview. And Part of that was it was not just learning about evangelism. A major part of the grade was actually doing evangelism. We had to do uh, two instances of uh, servant evangelism and one instance of sharing our faith and submit a report for that. And I think that that's kind of a big step. And I appreciate uh, him kind of forcing us to do that because sometimes that's the motivation we need to really do uh, what we're called to do and so many times. Yeah. Do, do you feel, uh, and this goes for either of you, but do you feel like um, by hosting a podcast about questions that people have, uh, that you have more conversations with people who are, are open about their questions or are skeptical? Well, I've gotten more uh, Facebook messages, especially here <laughs> lately, when people, I think it's been mostly Christians or people who have been around the church, um, even if they're not Christian, they hear something, they're like, I don't know if that's true, that sounds weird, and so they send me a message, and they're like, is this true, and like, <laughs> it's very direct, <laughs> which I love yeah. it, um, I love, love, love those messages, I've gotten more of that um, in particular, although sometimes when you tell people that you're in ministry, they're like, oh no, <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like in your interpersonal conversations, and I know, you know, with COVID, those are interesting <laughs> anyway, but do you feel like you, by having a ministry where you are obviously interviewing people and talking about faith and about these questions, that you're bolder, your interpersonal relationships? I think I'm getting there. To be honest, I was pretty timid, even as I was working on this advanced degree. Um, and that's something that God's been teaching me is the importance of being bolder. I think that's something he's still growing in myself. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, (laughs) um, we're talking about how sometimes, you know, it can be hard to start those conversations. I know for Mm -hmm. us personally, this can kind of give us an in, get started with that. Like, you know, I host a podcast. Oh, well, what's apologetics? And then get into that. But yeah, so much of it is, um, it's learning to identify those situations and act upon them. Right. Yeah. yeah. Our dad says that he uses us to have evangelistic conversations. They're like, Oh, you have kids. What do they do? And he's like, they host a Christian podcast, apologetics podcast. Watch apologetics. He loves it. So he uses this all the time. I told him it's fine. It's great. <laughs> yeah. 
Yes, it is an open door. I find like with my podcast here, you know, finding something real, I'm able to just segue into, well, this is for people who have hard questions about faith or, yeah. you know, wonder or struggling with belief. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I've done recently, uh, I, I've been putting together this download for people who subscribe to my email list. And it's the top, what I think are like the seven questions that people are asking about faith, um, okay. that you or a loved one are asking about faith. And honestly, um, I did this on purpose. I pulled it from my own like conversations and things that have come up because I didn't want to copy anybody else, you know, yeah. and, uh, whatever. And um, so anyway, I just wonder from your guys' perspective, what are the top questions that people are asking about faith and what have you found um, are people struggling with nowadays? I think the number one thing that our culture is struggling with is the problem of evil and namely like, why would God allow this terrible natural disaster to happen? And if, mm -hmm. if God would allow that to happen, either he's terrible or he doesn't actually exist. Or why would God allow um, so much racism? Like, why would God allow whatever it is in this world? That's what I mean by the problem of evil. I think that's one of the biggest things that our culture is is wrestling with. Yeah. Do you agree with that, Andrew? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I had uh, a question I wanted to ask you guys, and I, yeah. I think it's a, a deep, hard question. And it's okay. something that is on my list because it's, it comes up a lot in the conversations I have, both with non-believers and believers, really. Okay. Um, and that is the reliability of the Bible. Um, mm. I've heard from, in fact, my very first uh, interview, getting back to what you said earlier, Leah, like sometimes I'll do a podcast where I'm alone, but that's rare. It is better. It's nice yeah. to have somebody to, to question yeah. with and to also have <laughs> a co-host. So I'll drag yeah. my exchange family on here and I, I shouldn't say I drag them. Some of them come willingly. Some of them that's I do good. drag that's a little good. bit. It's good. Uh, especially different worldviews, you know, it's awesome. Um, yeah. But anyway, uh, yeah, either I'll hear from a, a non-believer, like I grew up thinking the Bible was a bunch of fairy tales. I'll hear from a skeptic. Um, if the Bible is true, I don't even want to know. Um, hmm. Or I'll hear, yeah, or I'll hear um, from a believer who's struggling. Um, how can I really believe in this? You know, this is an ancient document put together by a bunch of different authors over hundreds of years. Um, can I really believe that the Bible um, is infallible or divinely inspired? And what proof is there of that? And is that simply something we have to take on faith? So with that, I'll leave it to you guys to answer what you think about that Yeah, question. no, that's a great question. And, and I think that is a common one. It kind of goes hand in hand with, is the Bible really like the only source of, oh, it's not the only source of truth, but like, is its contents really the only way to get to God? Or are there other faiths that are just as genuine? I think it kind of goes hand in hand with that. So yeah, the biblical reliability, it's interesting because we think about it as one book, but it's actually 66 books. And so that makes a difference all by itself. And so we could go through each and every one and ask, well, is Genesis reliable? Is this reliable? Is that reliable? Are these prophets reliable? Um, how about the gospels or the writings of Paul or even Revelation? What do we do with that? And so like we can go through <laughs> each and every one of these books. Um, so for me, 
if I wanted to talk about biblical reliability, which I guess is exactly what we're doing right now. So um, I think the best place to just start with um, with this question is is with the Gospels, because if what the Gospels say is true, to some degree, everything else falls into place. And that's a mm. that's definitely an oversimplification. There are Bible believing Christians throughout time who have said, I'm not so sure about this particular biblical book. For instance, Martin Luther was not a fan of James, that whole uh, faith and works thing. He was like, I don't know about this. Um, C.S. Lewis, I just recently learned, didn't really think Esther should be held to the same standard as everything else. And so like people will nitpick at different things, but that's why I think it's important to come to the gospels because I think the heart of this issue is, is what they say true. Like is, are these books actually telling the truth about the world and about Jesus? The way I think about it is that if these documents are historically reliable, then that means that they are trustworthy sources. And if they're trustworthy sources, then the story they tell is likely true. And if that story is true, um, then that story says that Jesus, um, this God man died and then rose from the dead. And if that's true, th that changes everything. We can argue about really any of the other books um, that we want to, um, which we could get into the canonicity and everything. That's sort of a different thing. But if the, what the gospels say is true, then I think that provides a lot of evidence that the Bible is true. And I mean, we could get into some of that if you would like us to about why we can, in more detail, why we can trust the gospels. Hmm. I'm just imagining the girl or the person who's listening to this right now who's sitting there like, just like, really, can I, can I believe this? Yeah. You know, I think it, it was really interesting, actually, Leah. Um, and I didn't mean to stumble upon this. So as I was putting together this resource, yeah, <laughs> I came across something. And um, going back to what you were saying about the Gospels, um, the the author, and it might have been the Gospel Coalition. This is another thing I might have to put in the show notes. I probably yeah. shouldn't talk about it. But anyway, uh, it was um, a guy who was saying, if you want to trust the accuracy of the Bible, then um, look to Jesus and how he viewed him. Yeah. Look, look to Jesus and see how he viewed scripture. Because if you want to follow Jesus, which I think a lot of people like what you were saying, uh, they they have a hard time with all these other things, but they want to like hold on to Jesus. Well, if you hold on to Jesus, he had a very high opinion of scripture. Yeah. And so uh, was the Bible that the scriptures that he talked about in the Gospels, was it uh, the same Bible that we have now? Right. Yeah. So that's a really good question. So whenever anyone in the New Testament refers to the scriptures, they are referring to the Old Testament. Um, mm -hmm. And so, yeah, the fact that Jesus affirms those scriptures provides a great amount of validity to them. Um, and which, again, I think is why when we talk about this, the Gospels are just so important. They're what talk about Jesus the most directly. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you trust the Bible? Why do I trust the Bible? Mm -hmm. um, I believe that it is the inspired word of God. And if, if Jesus is who he says he is, which I believe he is, we have historical evidence, we have 
the reliability of those gospel documents, then Jesus really is who he says he is, then there's no problem for me in thinking that all of these books are divinely inspired because, of course, God can do what he wants and he can work with people however he wants to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you were mentioning the canon. So for yeah. someone not familiar with that, um, how did how did they put all the books together? What What did they do? Yeah, that's a really good question. So the canon is about measuring up it actually literally means a measuring like a measuring rod is how it's used and i i was i was thinking about it the other day actually and i was thinking about a roller coaster ride so you have this thing and it says you have to be this tall to ride this ride and if you're under that height you don't get sorry you're a little too young uh you don't get to go on this ride and so it's about measuring up and so there was this standard of of this measure of what is canon and there there were certain books that were highly valued by the early church that were being circulated i say books they were really most of them letters um and so at some point they started saying we need to start like what which of these books are really canon and there was not like an instant moment where they formed the canon and said, we're going to throw away all these books and we're going to accept all these books. Um, There were some councils that talked about them and those were significant, but these are books that have been significant to the early church throughout its history. Hmm. Um, And I I was talking with Andrew uh, earlier about canonicity and we were talking about Star Wars. So we can give a little bit of an example of canonicity from Star Wars, if you would like. Of course, go ahead. (laughs) All right, so I'm going to put the nerd glasses on here for a moment. (laughs) Yeah, you never don't have them on. (laughs) So uh, I don't remember the year. I think it was 2014, maybe, when there was the big Disney purchase of Lucasfilm. Before that, there was a whole lot of Star Wars material. There were uh, the movies, of course, the TV shows, tons of books. There were video games. And a lot of them, these were written by uh, individual authors and sometimes the information would contradict and um, uh, some people like the freedom to you know believe which part of the stories they wanted to I mean if we're comparing that to um, you know the bible a big emphasis about the bible and Christianity is um, is well the truth so that doesn't really fly there and when Disney made the purchase it would seem that didn't really fly with Disney either so they went through and kind of cut down to what is the star wars canon and it was significantly less of the materials i think they made it (laughs) just the movies and the tv shows yeah at that point because they were consistent um there wasn't contradictory information and then everything else kind of got put into the legends category you know where they're um still still good stories still enjoyable but it is separate because it is uh it's inconsistent and it's not the story that we are telling. Hmm. Yeah. So how how do we know then, uh, and this is a skeptic's question, but how do we yeah. know then that uh, what we have as our Bible isn't just a specially curated, uh, you know, bunch of books that share the story that somebody had on their agenda uh, to give to us? You know, I've heard the critique that, you know, the Bible is a bunch of rules and, um, you know, a bunch of things meant to control man and make sure that, you know, he, by man, I mean men and women, 
you know, into good behavior. And uh, this all could have been created. In fact, I had a conversation with one of my exchange daughters one time where she's just like, you know, people can create amazing stories. How do you know that this story is different than a Star Wars or a Harry Potter or something like that, right? Yeah, that's a really good question. I mean, the fact that Harry Potter wasn't written over 6,000 years um, all by itself is a good way to say, like, this this religion has been tracked for quite some time. If we if we kind of think about Christianity as Judaism 2.0, which I'm sure is like a way oversimplified way of saying that. Um, so there's that all by itself. Um, oh, gosh, there's just so many directions I could go with that question. <laughs> so uh, kind of sticking with the canonicity thing for a second, um, Michael Spiegel is a professor at DTS, and he... DTS. Sorry, Dallas Dallas Theological Seminary. Thank you for making me explain that. Yeah. (laughs) And he is a theology professor there and he has written tons of books about canonicity. So I was, um, when I was doing my research on canonicity the other day, I was reading some of his work and he said that the accepted books were authentic and that they were written by a true apostle or prophet. I've also heard people say um, by eyewitnesses, though not all, that doesn't always um, line up. Like we don't entirely know who wrote Hebrews, um, but the information was true. So the information that was in them was reliable and that these things together, therefore made them authoritative. So the apostles had been given authority to lead the church. So their words were commands from God. And that's just a quote straight from him. But um, yeah, in addition to that, the difference, um, like it's a 6,000 year thing. So it's been written over a long period of time and it's building on itself. Um, as for the stories, like was, um, it was Jesus just a story? We can go to things like history. Like we, most skeptics accept that Jesus was a real person. And so that by itself, it's like, okay, this was a real person. Now was this legend or was it not? And um, we can kind of cross-reference. We can do some internal uh, critique and look among the gospel accounts. And we can see that um, they actually, they present the same Jesus, but they have different things they emphasize. And some people will say, oh, they're contradicting each other. But one of my favorite apologists is Jay Warner Wallace. Mm-hmm. And he, yeah, are you familiar with him? He's awesome. Yeah. Um, he wrote Cold Case Christianity, among many other books. And he has a great blog. And he has a podcast. And he is a cold case detective. So he goes back and he looks at stuff, at cases from long ago, and tries to resolve them. Again, an oversimplification, I am sure. But um, he when he's going back and reading testimonies and if the witnesses happen to still be alive talking to them if there are actually small differences or things that they emphasize differently that actually supports the reliability of those witnesses Hmm. and uh, if if they all tell the same story it was pre-rehearsed like they don't believe it and so the fact these gospel accounts all describe this amazing man named jesus who did miracles and and they say that he died and rose again, the fact that they all tell a little bit of a different story actually provides um, support that what they are saying is true. And it's not just some pre-rehearsed made up story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. I, I had um, Bob Hostetler. He's, uh, he's co-authored some books with Josh McDowell on this okay. podcast a couple cool. weeks ago. Yeah. And um you know, he was saying, I, I was telling him, I said, you know, Bob, the deeper I get into scripture, because my husband and I, uh, we try to read the Bible every morning and 
Um, that was a real conviction of mine uh, a number of years ago that here I was, you know, like just reading the parts of scripture that made sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> and just the parts that I'd been learned, you know, I'd, I'd learned in college or wherever or YouTube videos, but not yeah. the parts that aren't part of sermons. And so <laughs> um, my husband and I, you know, we started reading scripture and I said, Bob, uh, the more I dive into scripture, the more questions they have. Like some of this mm-hmm. stuff is crazy. Like some of the, the stories that they've shared, some of the things that don't make any sense. And um, he, he was like, yeah. And he goes, which, by the way, is a great apologetic, right? Because if <laughs> like, why would you put that in there uh, yeah. if it yeah. wasn't true? You know, mm-hmm. and um, I've heard that of the Gospels, Gospels before, but I never really heard that of the Old Testament. And so. Uh, that encouraged me because there have been many times where my husband and I will read a passage of scripture and I'll just look at him and think, well, what the heck, what the heck was that? And, yeah. uh, and then we pray. And so I'll say to the Lord, like, would you just give me wisdom? Cause I have no idea what that was. And I don't, yeah. these are my questions after this, um, yeah. you know, after reading that. But I think, I think not being sure whether we can trust the Bible, um, that's a real, a real question of a lot of people. And I think it's very foundational because if you don't trust the source, right, then um, it's really hard to go from there. And the Bible is, you know, our word of God. And it's uh, what we have to know, um, to know who he is here on earth. And so, uh, and and the Holy Spirit confirms it, right? So I think um, it's challenging uh, because, it, it's I, I feel for those people because I've I've definitely felt some of those same questions, you know. Yeah. Um, and and I do think that saying you know it takes faith. I agree. There's a certain point where it does take faith, but I think you can follow the historical um, evidence, like Jay Warner Wallace. It's funny you mentioned him. My my son has cold case Christianity for kids, and he loves oh, yeah. it. Yeah. He's got a lot of questions. He's 11 years old, and. Um, you know, if you follow the trail of evidence, you can take it pretty far to the point where you go, okay, I have to, I have to make a decision about whether I actually believe this or not. And I know in a 40 minute podcast interview, we probably aren't going to get to all the reasons, but Andrew, why do you believe the Bible's true? Why do I believe? Well, um, I guess, as I was saying earlier, for the longest time, I was just comfortable accepting it. But then I Mm -hmm. saw, um, I saw more, more support. Um, and one of those, like, for example, uh, when we talk about um, the Gospels, we see that it matches the uh, writing style, first of all, of uh, biographical writing of that time. And then I also saw documents about when the manuscripts we have, how close were they to the actual event? So, for example, the Gospel of John is considered uh, to be uh, the last of the Gospels that was written. And uh, Bart Ehrman, who is a New Testament scholar, a former Christian, um, dated that around 85 AD. So, that's still, yeah, not super close to the event, but compared to other writings of the time, for example, Plutarch, who was a first century biographer he's known uh he's the one that they check the gospels with to see does this match the writing style 
but he wrote about these events several hundred years after the deaths of the people that he mm. was talking about. And then in addition, you look at other things, like how many manuscripts we have. There's over 5,000 Greek manuscripts and over uh, 20,000 total. Now, some of those are like little bitty pieces, mm-hmm. but it just seems to make so much sense that we can look at this. There's the abundance when it was written and then eyewitness accounts it gets back to what leo was saying about yeah these eyewitness accounts uh they may differ a little bit but different people have different perspectives on the same things different things will stick out to different people so well i had not really much trouble accepting all of this on faith when i saw this more information kind of took me to the next level it's like yeah there really is support for Mm -hmm. this yeah. yeah. God preserved his scripture in such a tangible way with all these little, little bits and larger bits of manuscripts. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, a couple of years ago, got to go to the museum of the Bible in Washington, DC, and it was really fascinating to, you know, <laughs> I was there with a couple of non-believers and one skeptic. So <laughs> one baby <laughs> question. So <laughs> baby Christian. So we had some, um, you know, interesting. They were like, really? Does this really matter? I'm like, yes, it matters. We're going to go through. (laughs) And, um, but you know, it was, it was very fascinating and you could probably spend a whole week in there and not get to the end of it. But, um, for somebody listening right now who is struggling, um, and wants to dive deeper into this for themselves, maybe they want to investigate the claims of the Bible. Um, I know just by a simple Google a Google search, I was finding like pretty amazing stuff, you know, (laughs) but, um, how, how could they research this for themselves and what would you recommend? Yeah. So for me, the first book I would recommend to someone like that isn't, um, doesn't actually address any specific apologetic. I guess it does in some ways, but I think it's one of the best resources for people who are just really skeptical of Christianity and need somebody to tell them about how they got through it is why I still believe by Mary Jo Sharp and she she does exactly that she says why she still believes she had some really terrible experiences as a pastor's wife and she's like why do I even why am I even part of this church like okay I believe God's real but what, what am I doing and she started getting into apologetics and studying and learning and now she's a pretty well-known apologist and so I her journey in that book is really powerful for people wanting to learn more about this in particular, you can get Cold Case Christianity by J. Warner Ross, which we already talked about. Um, another book I like to recommend, it's a little bit tangential to this, is I Don't Have Enough Faith to Be an Atheist, which was Frank Turek and Norm Geisler. I love the name of that book. And it was one of the first apologetics book I ever read. And then there's always um, Josh McDowell's, I'm trying to remember the name of it. Uh, oh, Evidence. Evidence. Demands, yeah, it demands a verdict. It's a great um, probably if you're really wanting to learn more about this, I would start there. And I know that one, there's been uh, several uh, versions of that one as they've got new things over time. It's been expanded. I think the latest one, um, his son, Sean, actually contributed on. But, uh, always more to be found. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, and we shouldn't be scared of that. I've heard Sean uh, speaking on the Unbelievable podcast with Justin Brierly, which has okay, been yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and that's a great resource as well for anyone listening. Um, mm-hmm. Justin is out of the UK and he has 
skeptics along with Christians, and he has them debate each other in a respectful and loving way, and it's really fascinating. Um, one final question, because my computer just told me I'm running out of disk space, and okay. that would be tragic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration or redemption, eternity, authenticity, and love. Mm. Of those gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ, something real, um, which of those stands out to you the most in your life right now and why? I think for me, I'll go with authenticity because we can come to God exactly as we are, Christian or not, and we can present our worries, our concerns, our doubts, our questions, our whatever it is, to God and God accepts us exactly as we are. There's nothing we have to do special to become a Christian besides just believe like God accepts us exactly as we are. So that, that authenticity mm-hmm. is really what's sticking out to me right now. That's good. Yeah. I think yeah, a lot of authenticity is a, authenticity is a big <laughs> one uh, for me as well. But I also think kind of looking at our world today, um, love would be a very good emphasis. Mm-hmm. It seems like we're in a time where uh, people have forgotten how to love or forgotten mm. what uh, love means. You know, you can look at any uh, Facebook comment section on a slightly controversial post and see that's just really not loving. And I think that's something our culture needs to learn is how to love again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Leah and Andrew, thank you so much for taking the time to share your wisdom and um, your hearts behind uh, sharing the gospel here on the podcast. Until next time. Thank you, friend, for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is a grace-filled, Christ-centered podcast for those who are wandering, wondering, or simply needing to be encouraged in their faith journeys. I hope you'll come back next week when I'll most likely be sharing a conversation with another guest about their journey towards finding something real. And if you're on Instagram, please come find me. On Fridays, I share Instagram Live podcast recaps at 11.45 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. So if you're over there on the gram, you can join me for some fun live awkwardness. (laughs) And finally, if you're someone who was encouraged by today's podcast, and you have friends who would benefit from hearing the story shared here, would you go ahead and share? You can do that by hitting subscribe, leaving a review, or sharing a link. Your telling others about this podcast helps bring other people along. And finally, just so you know, if you only remember one thing about this podcast, I hope it is this. No matter who you are or what you've done, Jesus Christ loves you, And a real relationship with Him is a treasure trove of restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. He's offering that gift to you today. I pray you believe it.